I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I've breathed the mountain air, man. This is The Road Less Travelled, presented by Nikki Shay. G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast with your host, that's me, Nikki Shea. Warm welcome to you if you're just joining the podcast for the first time. If you're a seasoned listener, welcome back. We appreciate your support and appreciate you downloading this week's episode of the Road Less Travelled podcast from Ballarat in Victoria. Don't forget, as always, you can interact with the show by dropping me an email, which is fatcat at iinet.net.au, SMS or mobile on 0427528467. And you, of course, can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And for further information on what we do with Fat Cat Media and the Road Less Travel Podcast, you can jump onto our website, which is fatcatmedia.com.au. This week, Ballarat in Victoria. It's Victoria's third largest city, located just over an hour by road or rail west of Melbourne, northwest rather. Ballarat has enjoyed a rich and prosperous heritage thanks of course to the gold rush which began in 1851. News that the Ballarat region was home to the richest alluvial goldfields in the world resulted in a population explosion as people came from all over the world seeking their fame and fortune. By 1855 Ballarat had grown to a city with a population of 100,000 people. There was, of course, impressive public and private buildings sprung up, which were, of course, financed from the wealth generated by the diggings. These days, long after the gold has run out, the city retains much of its rich gold heritage in the form of opulent buildings, fountains and tourist attractions, which celebrates the city's history. Notable buildings include Ballarat's Town Hall, built between 1870 and 1872, Her Majesty's Theatre, built in 1875, and Craig's Hotel, which was built in several stages between 1853 and 1891. The Avenue of Honour is a grand boulevard in Ballarat which commemorates local soldiers who fought in the First World War. It commences four kilometres west of the city centre at the junction of Sturt Street and Learmouth Street where a 17 metre high cement and brick arch was built over the roadway in 1920. From here the boulevard extends 22 kilometres westwards lined with over 3,000 trees each with a bronze memorial plaque listing the name of a soldier. Step back in time to Ballarat's gold mining days at Sovereign Hill, which is a recreated gold township of the 1850s, where you can experience life in that era. The Eureka Centre is situated close to the site of the 1854 Eureka Stockade Rebellion, where miners and officials engaged in a bloody battle over miners' rights. An important asset to Ballarat is Lake Wendery, a man-made lake covering 200 hectares, located a couple of kilometres west of the town centre. The lake hosted rowing events during the 1956 Olympic Games, commemorated by the Olympic Rings Monument at the southwestern corner of the lake. The lake's reed beds and islands are an important oasis for bird life too. The botanical gardens are situated near the western side of the lake and feature a floral conservatory, fernery, lawns and an avenue of bronze busts of all the Australian Prime Ministers. A vintage electric tramway operates along Wendery Parade between the botanical gardens and Lake Foreshore. 
Around 10 kilometres south of Ballarat city centre is the Smalls township of Bunnyong. It lays claim to being Victoria's first inland town and has an interesting collection of historic buildings including the old library built in 1861 and the stunning Italian-styled town hall and courthouse. To the east of the town is Mount Bunyang, an extinct volcano rising to a height of 745 metres. At the summit is a picnic area, several walking tracks and a lookout tower that offers superb views across the country across the surrounding countryside and towards Ballarat itself. This week on the Road Less Travelled podcast, let's visit the attractions, the history and the town that is Ballarat. Now, whether you've got the caravan in tow, you're on board the motorhome, or you've just decided to have a weekend away, there's plenty of B&Bs. There's Airbnbs, motels, hotels, bed and breakfasts. Uh, there's youth hostels, all kinds of accommodation, and, of course, plenty of caravan parks as well. More information, well, you can head to travelvictoria.com.au and hit Ballarat, and there's plenty of attractions too. There's the local regional park, the Wendery Centre for Performing Arts, Sovereign Hill, of course, if you want to uh, find out history comes to life. You can visit their website, sovereignhill.com.au. The Wendery Centre for Performing Arts, you can visit wcpa.com.au. And, of course, the Mount Binyong Scenic Reserve, Cryle Castle, Her Majesty's Theatre, the Gold Museum at Sovereign Hill, the Eureka Centre in Ballarat, which we'll talk about a little bit more, the goldfieldstrack.com.au. That is the uh, a distance of 210 kilometres, taking in historic mining areas and a variety of natural features. It's divided into three smaller tracks and follows the top of the Great Dividing Range, connecting the cities of Ballarat and Bendigo. The 90-kilometre Wallaby Track starts at Mount Pinayong, passing through Ballarat, Creswick and Dalesford. The 60-kilometre Dry Diggings Track extends from Dalesford to Hepburn Springs and Castlemaine. And the 60-kilometre Leonook Track select, uh, links Castlemaine with Bendigo. And of course the Enfield State Park, Creswick Regional Park, the Ballarat Vintage Tramway, Ballarat Wildlife Park you can check out, the Ballarat to Skipton Rail Trail, the Ballarat Observatory and Museum, and of course, as I mentioned, the Ballarat Botanical Gardens. There's also Ballarat Bird World, Art Gallery of Ballarat, and the Ballarat Aviation Museum. They're just a few of the places that you can visit as far as attractions are concerned. And when it comes to accommodation, as I mentioned, there's motor lodges, hotels, there's premier apartments, uh, holiday parks, motor inns, the Eureka Stockade Holiday Park, Craig's Royal Hotel, the Lake Inn, uh, even the McCure Ballarat Hotel. So plenty of accommodation options in which you can choose from. And uh, it's as simple as trumping onto the local website, heading into the local tourist uh, um, visitor centre as well and finding out more about the fantastic area that is in Ballarat. I said earlier on the town, well, it's really, in fact, a city and a fantastic place to visit for uh, a week or a weekend. Now, if you're a child attending school in Victoria, from the date dot to, I can't remember when, it's, when it opened, but history comes alive in the recreated gold township at Sovereign Hill of the 1850s. There are regular demonstrations, street theatre performances, gold panning, mine tours and shopping experiences of the era. At night you, in, you can enjoy the dramatic blood on the Southern Cross sound and light show. Sovereign Hill in Victoria has been on every primary school and probably secondary school students' um, school excursions over the years. And if you have the opportunity to visit it, do so. Make sure that you allow a day for it and uh, jam-pack everything that you possibly can do in there. They have things like, for example, you can watch a wheelwright in action actually constructing um, wheels for wagons. They do the gold burning, um, gold melting and smelting um, displays.
play as well. So there is plenty to see, and it's just a life of an 1850s township. Um, you'll get the red coats marching through town as well. So it's certainly well worth it. Um, it can be a little bit pricey, so start saving the dollars because it is certainly well worth it. And a trip to Ballarat wouldn't be complete without visiting the Eureka Centre. The Eureka Centre, each year they welcome people from all around the world who seek a meaningful connection to one of Australia's most significant foundation stories, which is the Eureka Rebellion. At the Eureka Centre, they explore the social history and the cultural impact of the Victorian gold rush and honour the stories of the men and women who risked their lives in the fight for miners' rights. Eureka Centre is actually located at the Eureka Stockade Memorial Park, which is considered to be the site of the 1854 Eureka Stockade, where the rebellion took place. It is home to one of Australia's most compelling historic artefacts, the Eureka Flag. If you have an opportunity to see the Eureka Flag, make sure you do so. It is massive. It is always um, it's been ongoing um, careful reconstruction. It's huge. It's probably about... Uh, I guess five foot wide and probably about six foot tall. It is huge. The Eureka Stockade Memorial Park is a place of where you can contemplate the events of Eureka and the many layers of Eureka commemorations are also reflected throughout the park and in, in its significant trees. There's interpretive plaques and monuments that honour those involved in the Eureka Stockade. Now, the Eureka Stockade was a hastily erected wooden fort. It was just as quickly dismantled following the attack by government forces on the 3rd of December 1854. Therefore, there's no tangible evidence of the structure remains. However, significant archaeological evidence was uncovered in the so at the site between 1996 and 2012 that dates to the time of the Eureka Stockade. So people visit the Eureka Centre for many reasons. Some are descendants of those involved in the battle. Others come to reflect on Eureka's profound impact on Australian democracy and culture. Many people have strong feelings about Eureka. There are differing interpretations of both its history and its leg legacy. And to recognise the value of diverse opinions and I guess the people there are help guide visitors through the Eureka story and the site experience. So the Eureka story, the Battle of Eureka Stockade is heralded by many as the birth of democracy in Australia and it has a really enduring place in the Australian consciousness. You see, in 1854, gold miners and their supporters protested what they saw as unjust regulations and law enforcement imposed by the colonial government, including the sort of prohibitive expensive gold licence. So unrest was starting to build and it built for months across the central Victorian gold fields, but especially in the busy gold rush settlements of Bendigo and Ballarat. They were angry, they were mad, they were angry at the restrictive rules around mining, land ownership and the right to vote. So tensions continued to rise as the protesters felt that the government was just ignoring their demands. Finally, the miners and their allies met and agreed to resist the authorities by building a timber stockade at a strategic position on the Eureka Lead in the heart of the gold mining area of Ballarat East and with a clear view of the road from Melbourne. Before dawn on the 3rd of December 1854, 276 British soldiers and police marched from the government camp in the centre of Ballarat to confront the rebels. Only 120 people were at the stockade when the soldiers and police arrived as they were not expecting an attack on a Sunday morning. The battle was swift and deadly. It was over within 20 minutes. Six soldiers were killed and 22 rebels were registered as casualties. Although the exact death toll remains a subject of debate, it has been estimated to being as high as 60. There was a heavy military presence in the town immediately after the battle and more people may have died during this time, but it's unknown.
Those who survived either fled and went into hiding or they were arrested. Thirteen rebels were tried for treason, twelve were acquitted and charges against one were dropped. The battle at Eureka, known as the Eureka Stockade, resulted in an investigation into the administration of the goldfields called a Commission of Inquiry. Now, this inquiry recommended the abolition of the despised monthly miners' licence, and in 1855 the miners won the right to vote and further democratic reforms followed. As Mark Twain wrote after his 1895 visit to Ballarat, the Eureka Stockade is another instance of a victory won by a lost battle. We'll take a break on the Road Less Travel podcast, and when we come back, we'll look a little bit deeper into the Eureka Stockade. Back with more in just a moment. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast, hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. You're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with Nikki Shea. This week we're coming to you from Ballarat in Victoria and looking a little closer at the Battle of the Eureka Stockade. Now, in the rising tide of anger and resentment amongst the miners, a more militant leader, Peter Layla, was elected. In swift fashion, a military structure was assembled and brigades were formed and captains appointed. So the miners' licences were burnt and on the 1st of December at Bakery Hill, the dissatisfied miners held a meeting where an Australian flag of independence was solemnly consecrated and vows proffered for its defence, with the Eureka Oath being sworn by Peter Layla to the affirmation of his fellow demonstrators who encountered camp themselves around the flag to resist further licence hunts and harassment by the authorities. We swear by the Southern Cross, we swear by the Southern Cross, to stand truly by each other, stand truly by each other, and to fight to defend our rights and liberties. Amen. So then became the rising flag and it was the right white and blue Eureka flag, which is said to be designed by a Canadian miner, Captain Henry Ross, and bearing nothing but the Southern Cross was then flown for the first recorded occasion, according to the Ballarat Times, which first mentioned the flag a week early on the 24th of November 1854, where it says, at about 11 o'clock, the Southern Cross was hoisted and its maiden appearance was a fascinating object to behold. The flag was believed to have been sewn by Anastasia Hayes. Reportedly influenced by earlier designs such as the Australian Federation flag, as a gesture of defiance, it deliberately excluded the British Union flag, which is included in the official flag of Australia. The Eureka flag was commonly referred to at the time as the Australian flag and as the Southern Cross, with the Age newspaper variously reporting on the 28th of November, the Australian flag shall triumphantly wave in the sunshine of its own blue and peerless sky over thousands of Australia's adopted sons. The day after the battle, they went on to say, they assembled round the Australia flag, which now has a permanent flag staff. And during the 1855 Eureka trials, when that it was sworn that the Eureka flag was also known as the Diggers flag and also as the Southern 
Southern Cross. Now, due to the political changes caused by the Eureka Stockade, the leader, Peter Layla, was elected to the Victorian Legislative Council in 1855 as the member for the new district of Ballarat and remained in this role until March 1856. Under the new, more democratic constitution, featuring near-universal white male suffrage, Layla was elected unopposed to the Legislative Assembly seat of North Grenville, which was Ballarat West. As he was the Eureka hero, his policies were not scrutinised at all before the election and his later voting record as a parliamentarian shows that he once opposed a bill to introduce full white male suffrage into the colony of Victoria. During, the spe- during a speech in the Legislative Council in 1856, he said, I would ask these gentlemen what they mean by the term democracy. Do they mean chartism or communism or republicans- republicanism? If so, I never was, I am not now, nor do I in- ever intend to be a Democrat. But if a Democrat means opposition to a tyrannical press, a tyrannical people and a tyrannical government, then I have been, I still and will ever remain a Democrat. Weston Bate wrote that the role of landowner and company director seemed to suit Layla more more of him than the rebel, and that Peter Layla disgraced himself in democratic eyes by trying to use Chinese as strike breakers at the Clunes mine, of which he was a director. Some also argue that he was ruthless in using low-paid Chinese workers to get rid of Australians seeking better and safer working conditions. In Parliament, he supported a repressive land bill in 1857, which favoured the rich. There were 17,745 Ballarat signatures to a petition against Layla's land bill. Uh, Others were puzzled and hurt that the folk hero should prove to be a better fighter for money and political position than for people's rights. Like so many young radicals, he undoubtedly became more conservative in later life. However, he was consistent at being a risk taker and in his later business career, he undoubtedly suffered lows as well as highs and at one point narrowly avoided having to be declared bankrupt. He held North Grenville until August 1859 but never represented Ballarat again and in the 1859 election he stood for and won the South Grant uh, in the Legislative Assembly instead. He held South Grant, South Grant for over 11 years after this point, finally losing it in 1871 where he also contested but lost the seat of North Melbourne. In May 1874, he was re-elected to South Grant, holding it until April 1877, then taking the Legislative Assembly seat of Grant in May 1877, and he'd go on to hold that for another almost 12 years until his death in February 1889. His key political postings were as Commissioner of Trade and Customs and Postmaster General of Victoria, then Commissioner of Trade and Customs and until March 1880, as well as Postmaster General again until 1877. He also served as a Chairman of Committees in the period from 1859 to 1868. As successor to Sir Charles Gavin Duffin, his most elect- effective rather political post was probably that of Speaker of the House, a post he held from 1880 until 1887 when illness forced his retirement, and he was awarded a pension of £4,000 by Parliament. He married in 1855 in Geelong and he had a few children. He died on the 9th of February 1889 at age 62 at his son's home in Richmond in Victoria and he's buried at the Melbourne General Cemetery. There's a statue of Peter Layla that was erected at Sturt Street in Ballarat. It was also presented to the um, municipality of uh, by a friend of Layla's, James Oddie, who was also the first chairman of the city and was unveiled by another friend, the Premier, the Honourable Duncan Gillies. Now, if it's accommodation that you're searching for in Ballarat 
well, for our way of travelling, it's caravan parks. There's the Big Four NRMA Ballarat Holiday Park, the Big Four Ballarat Windmill Holiday Park, the Eureka Stockade Holiday Park, the Woodman's Hill Motel and Caravan Park, Shady Acres Caravan Park in Ballarat. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many more places where you can stay, such as Quest Ballarat, Casa de Fumilia. Um, there's houses, apartments, motels, resorts, retreats, bed and breakfasts and cottages, quirky little stays too, and hotels. For more information on uh, accommodation and where places to stay, from the very swish to the very old, you're certainly spoilt for choice when it comes to choosing accommodation in Ballarat and I can thoroughly recommend to head to www.visitballarat.com.au and like most of these um, uh, regional cities food and drink you can find out why Ballarat is the culinary capital of regional Victoria there's cafes pubs bars wineries farmers markets local producers breweries and distilleries casual eats and plenty of restaurants as well they're all throughout the uh, regional area and of course too when you visit Ballarat the things to do you can discover why Ballarat is certainly renowned for its award-winning attractions unique visitor experiences there's um, plenty of activities from shopping and relaxation to top attractions art and cultures and of course tours as well and plenty to see and do around the local area as well you don't just have to base yourself in one particular destination you can uh, broaden your horizons by heading out from Ballarat Ballarat too has got so many uh, couldn't believe when I was doing the research and uh, reading some of the tourist things of famous people to come out of Ballarat and um, the people like for, for instance um, the AFL football, footballer Tony Lockett there's been two Prime Ministers Sir Robert Menzies is uh, one of the Prime Ministers I think it was Deacon was the other Prime Minister to come out of um, Ballarat uh, Geelong's um, Bob Davis coming out of Ballarat as well and uh, Steve Monaghetti just so many famous names of people Michelle Payne the um, Melbourne Cup winning jockey, um, just so many people that have come out of, of Ballarat. Now, no matter the weather, there's boundless fun to be had in Ballarat's great outdoors. From charming sunflower fields to colourful murals and picturesque lookouts, your only decision is deciding where to start. Here's some of our top picks for exploring Ballarat's wide open spaces. As I mentioned earlier, Lake Wendery and the Ballarat Botanical Gardens. When it comes to the perfect picnic spot, it doesn't get much better than Lake Wendery. Watch the swans as you devour handmade croissants and pies from the 1861 Bakehouse or find some shade under the 100-year-old trees at the Ballarat Botanical Gardens and there you can enjoy delicious treats from the local sweet icon Vegas and Rose while you marvel at the colour of the curated gardens. Then you can take a leisurely stroll along the lake's six-kilometre track while taking in the stunning views. And one thing that we loved about Lake Wendery is that no matter the time of the year, you're guaranteed to have an Instagram-worthy shot. You can go at your own pace and you'll find plenty of places to take a break along the way. You can get your friends together and sign up for a mystery picnic. If you're looking for a little fun before sitting down for a delicious picnic amongst good company, then we've got an adventure for you. If you use your smartphone to solve clues and riddles, the Amazing Co Journey will take you to local artists and producers where you'll collect delicious picnic ingredients before ending at a stunning picnic spot somewhere in Ballarat.
You can also check out Ballarat's cool wall murals. History is everywhere here in Ballarat, uh, often serving up the perfect backdrop, just like the old Ballarat Bitter murals on Lyons Street South. There's also so much modern street art to uncover around Ballarat, like the Cax One Beauty, which is located on the side of the city's little niche perfumery in Armstrong Street South, uh, called Sweet Fern. On the side of Webster's Market and Cafe, you'll also find a very cool Travis Price mural, and one of the many murals created by this Ballarat illustrator around the city with other locations including the Hop Lane at the end of Main Road and also in Mackenzie Street. You can visit one of the local outdoor attractions as one of Australia's favourite outdoor museums, Sovereign Hill. That, of course, as I mentioned earlier on, it recreates Ballarat's first 10 years after the discovery of gold in 1851 when thousands of international adventurers rushed to the Australian goldfields in search of their fortune. And it's just like stepping back in time from the excitement of the diggings where you can pan for real gold to the hustle and bustle of Main Street where you can catch a coach ride, shop for a sweet boiled lolly and make your own candles. You can get up close and feed the free-roaming kangaroos and admire koalas, wombats, little penguins and other natives at the Ballarat Wildlife Park. And around the park you'll also see cheeky meerkats, dingoes and emus as well as the park's most popular inhabitants, Crunch, which is the 5 metre crocodile, and Satu, the Sumatran tiger. You can soak up the fresh air during a short hike. The Ballarat region, while it is certainly surrounded, and it's surrounded by extinct volcanoes, old forests and picturesque views that seem to extend for days. So you'll definitely find a hike to certainly get your heart pumping, including Mount Bunnyong, the Ballarat Skipton Rail Trail, Goldfields Track, La Gurch Forest Walk or the Mount Cole in the Pyrenees. Something quite funky is one of Ballarat's new e-scooters which you can hire a bike or one of these e-scooters and explore the city. So whether you prefer getting off-road and taking in the scenery or you're after a challenge and in for the long haul, there's a smorgasbord of cycling trails awaiting your discovery in and around the Ballarat region. If you don't have a bike, you can hire a bike or, the, or even the electric version for the day and discover Ballarat at your own pace. A fleet of 250 e-scooters is giving people a new way to hit the streets of Ballarat. It's part of a state government trial. The orange e-scooters can cover 25 square kilometres riding area within Ballarat, including Ballarat Central, Ballarat North, Lake Wendery, Eureka, Golden Point and Redden. They can be hired through the Neuron Mobility app on the Apple App Store or your Google Play Store. You can talk to the local producers at the Lake Wendery or Bridgemore Farmers Markets where you can source local and seasonal ingredients and gourmet wonders at some of the region's most popular farmers markets. You can stock up on regional produce and pantry items, source a bottle of award-winning vino and indulge in some homemade delights. And of course, this is something I really recommend, you can be blown away by the history of Ballarat on a self-guided tour where you can explore Ballarat in your own time and at your own pace on a self-guided tour around the city. You can check out the various tours that they have available on the visitballarat.com.au website. And the Pond and Paddock to Plate Experiences, a traditional grazing property, Smeaton's Tukey Trout Farm pursues organic and sustainable principles in rearing its rainbow trout and pasture-fed beef and lamb. You can indulge in a Pond to Plate experience by hooking yourself a rainbow trout from the farm's fully stocked pond, and you can have it cooked fresh in the restaurant or cleaned and packaged ready to take home. 
And if you feel a bit creepy, you can join a ghost tour by night. Discover the mystery and stories stories of the Gold Rush era with Eerie Tours Ballarat Ghost Tour. This tour travels through underground buildings, back alleyways and through the remains of the old Ballarat Jail, the site of the highest number of executions in regional Victoria. Towards the end of every summer, the Brit family opens the gate to their Dunstan farm on the annual pick your own sunflower weekend you can keep an eye out for their 2022 season opening dates and you can check out the region's best seller doors with a 20 minute scenic drive out to Coggles Creek and you'll discover Eastern Peak Winery and of course you can visit the cellar to enjoy top drops including some of the best um, Chardonnay and Syrah in the state and you'll instantly understand why Owen Latra has been awarded Australia's Young Winemaker of the Year. The situated just off the beautiful Avenue of Honour, the Michael Unwin Wine Cellar Door has become a popular weekend destination for local wine lovers. Processed and bottled on site, you'll likely find yourself right in the middle of the wine making process when you arrive. So as you can see, just some of the things that you can do when in and around Ballarat in Victoria. So how to get there? Well, whatever your mode of transport, you won't regret making the trip to Ballarat from Melbourne by car or caravan. Take the 110-kilometre journey along the Western Freeway. Ballarat is just an hour and 30 minutes from the Melbourne CBD. By train, well, you can head direct from Melbourne Southern Cross Station, hop on the V-Line train and arrive in less than 90 minutes at the historic Ballarat Railway Station in the centre of town. Or via the airport, the road trip from Tullamarine or Avalon airports to Ballarat takes about one hour. Transport options direct from the airport include hiring a car or booking the airport shuttle bus from Tullamarine. Check your check the estimated travel times and highway routes via the interactive map, which you can find by heading to the Ballarat Visitors Information Centre. When you can give them a call to on one eight hundred double four double six double three and visit ballarat.com.au. Just before we go, we've been talking about sort of the popular accommodation and um, caravan parks and so forth for places to stay. If you head to the website goldfieldsguide.com.au you can find plenty of best free camping uh, best free campgrounds near, near put a sentence together Nikki, near and around Ballarat uh, for places such as Smithdale Gardens in uh, was it Smithdale rather um, it's about 18 minutes out of Ballarat they've got undercover camp kitchen things that are dogs are allowed bookings are required and donations are encouraged it's easily one of the best campgrounds in the Ballarat region Smithdale Gardens provides outstanding visitor facilities massive camping area got electric barbecues as well popular for caravans and RVs they've got toilets and showers and Donations can be made at the Smythesdale Roadhouse or the Post Office. The Lake Burham Beat Foreshore Camping Area in Burham Beat, it's about 25 minutes out. Uh, Slady Creek in Creswick, uh, about 25 minutes out of Ballarat. The Iron Mine and Blast Furnace at Lalal in Victoria, about 29 minutes out of Ballarat. Surface Point Picnic Area out of Enfield. The Dam Campground at Mount Back. Beckworth, um, the Manor Gums campground at Mount, Be- Mount Beckworth as well, so plenty, Werribee River Caravan ground at Spargo Creek in Victoria, so as I mentioned, goldfieldsguide.com.au, best free campgrounds near Ballarat, and that will put you in fine form if you want to get away from the hustle and bustle of caravan parks and uh, built up accommodation and do some free camping yourself. I hope that that's given you a small little insight into things to see and do around Ballarat, a bit of history with the Eureka Stockade where they say it's the birth of democracy in Australia right in the heart of Ballarat. That's it for this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast. My name is Nikki Shea. I look forward to seeing you somewhere out there on the Road Less Travelled. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. I've been everywhere. Thanks for listening. 
The Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media. Music